0: Okay, let's try it again. Good afternoon, everyone. (laughs) It is good to see you all today. Welcome to the guests who have joined us. Uh, Welcome to those who are online who have joined us. We are glad that you are here with us uh, to be able to uh, worship our great God and Savior today. Amen? Let's pray as we turn our attention to God's Word and ask for His help today. Heavenly Father, we just... Thank You and praise You for what You have done on our behalf through Jesus Christ and how You have applied it in our lives and are continuing to apply it through the work of Your Holy Spirit. And we pray for Your Spirit to be at work in us, through us, among us today as we look at Your Word, as we worship You, as we spend time in prayer, as we celebrate baptism and salvation today. We ask, God, that your name would be honored and glorified. So be at work now, Holy Spirit. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, let's see if all these things are working. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, oh, hello. Most people... Uh, that I know, that I've interacted with, they hope to go to heaven when they die. But few people consider what heaven is really like. Heaven is not just earth, but with no pain and sorrow. Heaven is the place where God, the Holy One, dwells. Nothing sinful, wicked, or worldly will ever enter there. Revelation 21, 27. Sinners cannot live in heaven, and they wouldn't want to. Do you think that they would rejoice to see Jesus if they don't love Him right now? As the centerpiece of all happiness in heaven, who is Jesus Himself, would be torture to them. It'd be easier for a fish to live up in a tree than for a sinner to dwell in heaven. And it would be more enjoyable for the fish. If you don't have a taste for the things of heaven right now, you are not going to find yourself there when the time comes. For without holiness, no one shall see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. In our sin nature, we are utterly unfit for heaven. We have no ability to enjoy its pleasures. We have no taste for its delights. We have no eye to see its beauty. Without a new nature, heaven would be misery to us. But the Holy Spirit prepares us for heaven by teaching us to love what God loves and hate what God hates and to delight in the presence of God. And He does this for every true believer, for everyone who has repented of their sins. Turn from their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ to save them. The Holy Spirit prepares us for heaven. So, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. One theme that we've been seeing running through Galatians is our freedom in Christ. Freedom from works of the law as a means of salvation. Freedom from the the curse and condemnation of the law. Freedom from the power and penalty of sin. Freedom from slavery. We're now free children of God. But we're not free to just do whatever we want, to live however we want to. We serve a new master, Jesus Christ, we saw last week from Pastor Jonathan. We're tethered to Jesus Christ. Now the objection to freedom in Christ is this fear that people are going to use their freedom as an excuse to sin. Paul's answer to that objection is not to thunder more law. So how do we do it? How do we we follow Jesus Christ? How How do we live this out? It's by the Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit. That is the answer. Christ Jesus has set us free, but it is the Spirit of Christ, this Holy Spirit, who leads us and enables us to obey God, to please God. The Spirit is the one who keeps us from legalism on the one hand and license on the other hand. So the message for us this morning is walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. That actually bookends our text in verses 16 and 25. We're going to see three things. We're given a promise, a warning, and a command. We're given a promise... We're given a warning and we're given a command. So first, the promise. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. You will not gratify your sinful desires. We see this in verses 16 through 18. Look at verse 16 with me. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, in this one verse, there's a command and a promise. The command is, walk by the Spirit. If you do, the promise is, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. That is, your sinful desires. The flesh is our sin nature, it's our sinful desires. So the promise is, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. That promise is emphatic. Okay, it's a strong promise. It's not about being perfect, it's about certainty. It's about certainty. If you walk by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the flesh. Why is that? Look at verse 18. For, or because, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. The promise is certain because the Spirit is against the flesh. You can't walk by the flesh and by the Spirit at the same time because they're opposed to each other. other, And we see the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. The Spirit keeps us from fulfilling our sinful desires and empowers us to obey God. The Spirit gives us both direction and power. So we walk by the Spirit, by His direction and by His power. Now does the promise of victory here, this promise of victory over the flesh, does that mean it's easy? No, because we're in a war that won't end until we reach heaven. Yes, we will grow in godliness throughout our walk with Christ, but we will not reach perfection on this side of heaven, on earth. Now, Christians, we still have sinful desires. The the desires of our flesh are sinful desires. They still try to influence us, try to allure us into sin. And so the flesh and the Spirit remain in conflict, at war with each other. What the the flesh wants, the Spirit is against. And what the the Spirit wants, the flesh is against. They're completely opposed to each other, pulling in opposite directions, like magnets when they repel each other. I want to try to try to illustrate this if I can you guys remember the little the little wooden trains with the magnets on them so we're going to we're going to pretend here that this little train represents the flesh and that this little green one represents the holy spirit okay work with me i know it's a train now watch what happens Okay, the spirit is opposed to the flesh. Can you see that? They won't touch. They fight and war with each other. Okay, so the two are opposed to each other. They're against each other. Now I've got my little Luke Skywalker minifig here. I don't. Can you see that? Okay, good. <laughs> Luke. All right. Now, depending on the way we orient our lives, right? We will either be pulled along by the Holy Spirit if we orient ourselves, if we look to the Holy Spirit, but if we look to the flesh, then we're pulled along by our flesh. Okay? Now I want you to watch something. When we are connected to the Holy Spirit, right? When we're walking according to the Spirit, the Spirit in us opposes the desires of our flesh. That's not what we do. That's what the Spirit does through us. But watch this. The exact same thing happens if we look to link up with, orient ourselves towards the flesh. The flesh then in us, we push away the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls this grieving the Holy Spirit or quenching the Spirit. That happens when we disobey God we don't listen to God and we, we we disobey Him we quench the Spirit the Spirit leads us towards holiness towards good the flesh leads us away towards evil both the flesh and the Spirit are tugging on the Christian and the believer in the middle can listen to either one and whoever they listen to is the direction that they're going to walk. But you, you see, you cannot walk in both directions at the same time. Yielding to the Spirit empowers believers to have victory over sin, but we can't have that victory alone. Left to ourselves, we would give in to our sinful desires. We need the Spirit to guide and strengthen us to follow God's way. The Spirit enables us to live a life that pleases God. Now, Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're being led, it's a passive verb, if you're being led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Well, it doesn't matter. Keep it here. Why? Why is it if we're being led by the Spirit, we're not under the law? It's because the Spirit is the one who guides and restrains us from sin. Now, in this little illustration, the track is God's law. God's Word, right? And it's natural to think that the best way to fight against gratifying the desires of our flesh is the law. We just need more rules. Like if if we're struggling with sin in our lives, what we need is we just need more rules to, to hedge us in, right? But all that is, is just adding more track. I mean, I could add... Rules. I can add track all day long. But doing that, the law is not going to give me any protection or power against the desires of my flesh. Nor is this track going to enable me to, to move along the track. We need the Holy Spirit to move us. The Spirit doesn't just give us direction, it gives us power to move in God's way. Our response then is to yield to the Spirit in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. What does that look like to walk by the Spirit in our day-to-day life? Well, it starts with our thinking. Those who live according to the flesh... Okay, now let's switch back and see if it's on the right slide. Or are we stuck here and we can never switch again? (laughs) <laughs> so it starts with our minds, our thinking. Those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit and not the flesh. We orient our minds, our thinking, towards the Holy Spirit. This is Romans 8:5. We don't dwell on our sinful desires. We think about what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is holy, what is noble, what is gracious. Philippians 4:8. That's what we occupy our minds with, and we obey God, who is the spirit of holiness. Romans 1.4. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. Romans 8.13. So throughout the day, when you're tempted to sin, the Spirit of God is right there with you. And He's telling you, no, this is wrong. He's telling you, don't do this. He's there pointing you back to God and His Word, telling you the truth, urging you to walk in the truth, to walk in the Word. And we have a choice in that moment of who we're going to listen to, the Spirit or the flesh. And when you listen to the Spirit and then you say or do the right thing, that's walking by the Spirit. When you put aside a lustful thought and you focus your mind on pure thoughts, that's walking by the Spirit. That's victory over sin. When you put aside harsh words and you speak gracious words, that's walking by the Spirit. That's victory over sin. Now, I could multiply examples, but you get the point. Now, everyone that has the Spirit inside them feels this conflict. We feel this conflict. And perhaps you struggle with an ongoing sin in your life. You've sinned in this way so many times, so often, (laughs) you even wonder... Do I even have the Spirit? You get discouraged. You hate this sin. You want to be free of this sin. That's a good sign. That is a good sign. Struggling with the sin is not good, but the fact that you hate it, the fact that you are fighting against it, the fact that you have not made peace with it and thrown in the towel, that is a sign of the work of the Holy Spirit being led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 13 and 14. See, the the war is real and it's often intense. And and the fight against sin is not going to cease in this life. So if we struggle with sin, we should not think, I'm not a Christian. That's normal. The Christian life is not marked by perfection. It's marked by spiritual war. Stop pretending you're perfect, Christian. You're not. We all war against our sins. Amen. This war is fierce, it's unrelenting with, with battle after battle. It's not one battle and then it's over. This is like a campaign, it's a war, battle after battle. Numerous fronts. But this conflict should not lead us to pessimism or apathy or defeatism. The Christian outlook on life is one of triumph in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sin no longer reigns over your life. Christian, you are not helpless. You are not powerless. The one who dwells in you is greater than he who is in the world. John 4.4 That means that believers should enjoy substantial, observable, increasing victory in their walk of faith with Christ. No, we're not going to be perfect, but we're still going to be growing. We should be optimistic about the possibility of victory over sin in our life and living a way that that honors and pleases God because we have the Spirit. So don't make peace with sin in your life. Don't give sin any quarter in your life. Fight the good fight. Rest in this promise of God. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. That's the promise. The warning, second. The warning is, anyone who does not walk by the Spirit does not belong to Christ. We see this in verses 19 through 24. In verse 21, look at verse 21, Paul warns that those who who gratify the desires of their flesh, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 24, he says that those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The clear implication then is, if you don't walk by the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. So examine yourself. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are both obvious. And our life is going to demonstrate whether or not it's the flesh or the Spirit that reigns. Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. They're plainly seen. You don't need to be a rocket surgeon to discern these things. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And things like these. Which means this list is not comprehensive. (laughs) Let me make a couple passing comments on some of these vices. Sexual immorality tops the list. It was so rampant. Sexual morality was so rampant that they had a hard time recognizing it as sin and then turning away from it. Sensuality, which which often was paired with sexual morality, is is this um, lack of self control that throws off all restraint especially social restraint, where you do whatever you want to do regardless of how it's going to impact other people. Does that sound familiar to you? Does it not sound like our day? Idolatry is the worship of any substitute for the true God. Anything other than God that rules me or anything other than God that I am looking to for my happiness or for my security. Then the next eight sins, the next eight are all social sins sins that damage relationships and community. When people reject God, they turn on each other. That's what happens. Living by the flesh leads to exalting the self at the expense of others, whereas the Spirit leads us to love and serve others. That's what we saw last week. Through love, serve one another. That's the Spirit. Finally, drunkenness, drugs and alcohol are especially dangerous to us because they impair our moral judgment and our control. They lead us into other sins as well. So, in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, let the Spirit be the controlling influence in your mind, in your body. Now, after all these examples... We get this solemn warning, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, those who make a practice of living in this way, if this is the pattern of your life, this isn't like I I messed up and sinned one time, if this is the prevailing pattern of your life, if this is your common practice, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because the outward way of life is revealing this inward spiritual condition. They have not been born again. They do not have the Spirit. They do not belong to Christ. Now, if anyone is here who has been thinking or seeing freedom in Christ as a license, an excuse to sin, be warned. If these things are the pattern of your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Spirit also produces visible results. His presence can be seen in our life as well. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to sing the song. (laughs) Notice this, the Holy Spirit's not just for defense. It's not just against the flesh. The Holy Spirit's got a good offense. (laughs) Look at what the Holy Spirit produces in us. Holiness, the fruit of Christ-like character in us. Love is mentioned first because it is the defining mark of the Christian. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Romans 5.5, 5, causing us to love God and love others. We saw last week the entire law is fulfilled in loving your neighbor as yourself. We, we act with this Christ-like love when the Spirit of Christ dwells in us. We have His love when His Spirit dwells in us. Joy. We should have joy in the Lord Peace, our lives, not just individually, but as a church, should be marked by peace. Peace, not fear, should rule in our hearts, in our minds, in Christ Jesus. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, this fruit, it's the formation of Christ's character and conduct in you, Ephesians 4.13 and 24, Colossians 3.10, Galatians 4.19. Maybe you're wondering, why does he have a picture of a honeycomb on here? Well, like bees always produce a hexagon shape in their honeycomb, so the Spirit always produces a uniform shape, that of Christ, until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19 Now the degree and the depth of the fruit will vary depending on where a person is at in their walk, but the general pattern is the same. A Christian might be weak or strong in these graces, but they will be present and they'll be growing in every true believer. An infant might be small and weak, but they're just as much alive as the strongest man on earth. They have true life. Nevertheless, we still expect the infant to grow and mature. Now we're not being told here to summon our own strength to live this way. The fruit is not a result of human strength, but it's supernatural by the Spirit. Just as the the branch can't bear fruit by itself, neither can we unless we abide in Christ. We just read that from John 15. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me, and I am him. He it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you notice, you notice that the branches that don't abide and don't produce fruit, they're gathered up and they're burned. Do you see the connection between Galatians 5 and John 15? Abide in Christ, yield to the Spirit, and you'll produce fruit. If you don't, if you walk in the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, do you see this parallel? We're called to abide in Christ. We're called to yield to the Spirit. If you do, you'll bear fruit. So examine yourself. Jesus said you're going to know a tree by its fruit. Just like the wind, the Spirit is invisible but we can see his effects. On Thursday, my—I don't know if you guys experienced this. On Thursday, we went out for a walk as a family after dinner, and I don't know what time it was, but all of a sudden the wind just picked up crazy. Did you guys see that, or was that just me? Okay, so you—I'm getting some nodding heads. So like, we're walking, and all of a sudden, you know, all the trees are beautiful and the little blossoms, and oh, and the wind just rips the flowers off. Right? And there happen to be all these pine trees, and all the pollen just gets blown out of the trees. The sky gets so full of pollen and all these this debris, like it gets cloudy. Like it's like a, like a haze. Our clothes are, you know, flapping in our hairs. Well, not mine, but I mean, you know, the girls' hair is flapping in the wind. Now, could we see the wind? No. But I can tell you, we didn't doubt the existence of the wind for a second because we can see its effects so it is with everyone born of the Spirit John 3.8 we can see the effects that the Spirit produces in people you see it in their tastes and their habits you see it in the way they spend their time you see it in the company that they like to keep you see it in the way they treat their family at home. You see it in the goals that they set for their lives and so on. Can you see the effects of the Spirit in your life? Now I want you to be careful here because I'm not asking you if you're a perfect person. And I'm not asking you if you're free of conflict. I'm asking if you have evidence of the Spirit in your life. Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. And then he says, "...against such things there is no law." F.F. F. Bruce explains it like this. This is a, an interesting phrase. "...the law can prescribe certain forms of conduct. It can prohibit others, but love, joy, peace, and all the rest, they can't be legally enforced. No law, No law can make you love your neighbor as yourself." That kind of love has to be generated from it within by the Holy Spirit. That's something that the law has nothing to do with. The law can't produce these things, only the Spirit can. The Spirit will be evidenced by your way of life. These vice and virtue lists here, they provide us with objective criteria to show if you're living in the flesh or if you're walking by the Spirit. So examine yourself. Because anyone... Who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Romans 8, 9. So we've seen the promise, we've seen the warning. Finally, we see the command is let us keep in step with the Spirit. We see this in verses 24 to 26. Since we've crucified the flesh and we live, that is, we have new life by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Look at verses 24 to 26. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Our flesh, our sinful desires, were crucified with Christ at our conversion. When we became Christians, when we were united to Christ... By repentance and faith. Paul says, I was, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20 The flesh was dethroned from our lives by the cross, and Christ reigns instead. That decisive moment has ongoing effects for the believer. The desires of the flesh are still present, but they no longer reign in your life. They no longer have the mastery over you. Jesus reigns. He has the mastery over you. There can't be any more decisive check on the flesh than the fact that it was crucified with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The problem is, is we want to take it off the cross. We want to take that dead corpse off the cross. And that ought to sound disgusting to us. Leave it up there. (laughs) We've got to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We follow this new master. I want you to notice something, what's going on here in this text, okay? We're going to see it in baptism in just a little bit. Baptism, a beautiful picture of this. We've died with Christ, we've risen to new life. Look, verse 24. Flesh has been crucified with Christ. Verse 25. By the Spirit you live. Now when it says that, that first phrase in in verse 25, it's not saying if you live by the Spirit, i.e. like if you carry out your life by the Spirit. This is an indicative. This is a true statement about you. What it's saying is, is by the Spirit you live. You live. You have life. New life. Eternal life. So Paul is saying, if that's true of you, if by the Spirit you live, then keep in step with the Spirit. He's making this connection here. He's saying, look, if you began your life in Christ by the Spirit, then the rest of your life is carried out by the Spirit. He's already alluded to this in Galatians 3, 2 and 3. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you being carried on to completion by the flesh? No, it's the Spirit. If the Spirit is the source of your life, then let the Spirit govern the course of your life. The whole thing. Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. Like, follow the leader or march in line with the Spirit. I I need help with this. Can... Uh, Shiloh, would you be willing to help me? We didn't talk about this beforehand, but you, are you okay with that? Okay, come up here. All right. So this phrase, keep in step with the Spirit, it's something like, you know, march in step with your commanding officer or like, you know, walk, follow the leader. You know follow the leader. Okay, so we're going to do a little exercise. I'm going to be the Holy Spirit. You're going to keep in step with the Spirit. So that means, like, what I do, you do. Where I go, you go. Does, does it make sense? All right, so let's give the, we're going to try to stay on camera, though. All right. Uh, all right. So, you ready for this? All right. So, okay. You are you following? Okay. That's not bad. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Give her. Give her. Give her a hand. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Now we're gonna switch. Okay. I want you to be the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna try to keep in step with the Spirit. Okay. Don't get too crazy on me. All right, are you ready? All right, I'm with you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, oh, oh, hold on. Okay, okay. All right, thank you. That was really good. Really good. Give her a round of applause. <laughs> All right. To keep in step with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, we follow the Spirit's leading. We don't rush ahead. We don't just do what we want without seeking direction from the Holy Spirit, without waiting for the Spirit's timing. Right? We don't get ahead. We don't lag behind. We don't drag our feet when we know what God has called us to do. Like... God has told us what to do and the Spirit is pressing that on our lives and we just drag our feet. We don't go in a different direction. (laughs) We don't lead the Spirit. He leads us. Amen? That's what keeping with the Spirit looks like. We don't wield the Spirit, we yield to the Spirit. But believers aren't just dragged along by the Spirit as if we don't have any choice in this, as if we don't have anything to do. We've been enlisted in the fight. We're exhorted not to let sin reign in our lives, Romans 6.12, but by the Spirit we're to put to death the deeds of the body, Romans 8.13. We're exhorted to follow the Spirit's leading, Galatians 5.25. We're to avoid falling back into slavery to sin, Galatians 5.1. Romans 6.16. Through love we're called to serve one another. Galatians 5.13 and 14. So, while the Spirit gives us hope, it doesn't let us off the hook. We've got the hope of victory, but we also have the call to arms. We're to walk. It's active. We we, we purposefully walk in the right way. We don't just passively yield to the Spirit's control. We do, but we also actively walk in the Spirit's way. We're free from the old master, but we still have a master, the Spirit of Christ, who opposes the flesh and guides us in the way and gives us the strength to walk in it. So are you following His lead? Are you following the Spirit's lead? How do we grow in being a Spirit-led Christian? Galatians are not just told to work harder, to be more virtuous. They're being told to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, and then the fruit will come. It's by the Spirit's power. That means to grow in this, Our role is to listen, to yield, to obey the direction of the Spirit of truth. The Spirit is never going to lead you away from God's Word. He'll never contradict the Word. Our role is also to trust, to pray, to depend on the Spirit's power so that we think and speak and act in line with God's Word. If we walk with the Spirit, then the fruit will come. Our lives will please God and we'll live like Christ in true righteousness and holiness. So be filled with the Spirit. That's a passive verb. You don't fill yourself. (laughs) the, the, The way you put this command, be filled with the Spirit, into practice is by surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit surrendering to the spirit's control you seek to yield more and more to his influence in your life to bring every thought and word and action into submission to him don't grieve him through your disobedience don't quench him by turning a deaf ear to him that weakens our sense of his presence and the comfort in his in our lives don't be content with just a little spirit Pray that God would fill up your heart and your mind so that every single corner of your life is filled so there's no room left for the world, the flesh, or the devil. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Seek to have Him reign more and more and more in your life day after day, year after year. Now I want you to notice the corporate dimension to this. Look at our text. Our text is bookended by one another commands. Verses 13 and 15 through 15 and verse 26. We already saw that most of the works of the flesh are sins destructive to fellowship. And then, look at your text. Look at verse 25. He says, let us. It's been you, 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 you. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited. It's plural. Not provoking one another. What's the point? The point is being led by the Spirit is not just about your own benefit. It's about the health of the church. Pray for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church and in our nation. You want to see the church grow? Grow? You want to see the kingdom advance? You want to see God's name hallowed, honored as holy? Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to parent with patience and kindness when your kids are driving you crazy? By the Spirit. How are you going to serve your wife after an exhausting day at work? By the Spirit. How will you stay pure as a young man in this sex saturated culture? By the spirit. How are you going to stand firm in your faith when everyone around you is presser pressuring you to compromise? By the spirit. How are you going to endure that trial that you're facing right now in your life? By the spirit. How are you going to overcome that sin that keeps raising its ugly head in your life? It's by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Man, I I want the only explanation for my life and for my marriage and for my family and for this church to be the Holy Spirit. I don't want any other explanation for what people see going on in my life or in this church. Don't you want that? I want it to be obvious that we are living by the Spirit's power. I want us to see our neediness every day so that we're constantly desperate for the Spirit in our lives. The only things that matter in this life cannot be accomplished by human strength. You can't make anyone believe in Jesus or love Jesus. You can't make your kid follow Jesus. Only the Spirit of God can do that. I can't work up love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest in my life or in this church. It's got to come by the Spirit. Amen? I want the only explanation for my life, my family, this church to be the Holy Spirit. So when people look at us, they see the hand of the Lord has done this. And all the glory goes to God. All of it goes to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your Word says that You give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so we pray that You would fill us with a fresh outpouring of Your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we pray for Your Spirit to move in power in our lives. We ask that You would enable us to put sin to death and to walk in a manner pleasing to You. God, for those who are here who are discouraged by recurring sin in their life, I pray that You would encourage them That this battle, this conflict is a sign of your Spirit at work in them. Encourage them with the promise that victory is possible. And I pray that by the Spirit you would help every single one of us to walk in holiness. Holy Spirit, we pray for more of you. That we might walk with you. That we might grow more like Jesus Christ. And that we might bring glory to God the Father. We pray, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.